All right, here we are, another episode of Keo Conversations. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. If you are enjoying the conversations, give us a little love wherever you're listening, the stars, reviews, whatever works for you, but it does really help the show and help bring on these guests. Lastly, these conversations, the podcast, it's all really brought to you by Keo, which is our daily mental fitness app. All of these incredible guests end up in app to help guide you through your daily mental fitness. So take it for a spin. It's in the Apple App Store, K-Y-O. All right. Thank you and have the best day yet. All right. So today we have Nikki Sharp on the show who, after years of working as an international model, started to realize that she was tired of always wanting to be skinny and started to pursue her new desire of health. Through her work as a health coach and wellness blogger, her mission is really to spread the knowledge of healthy living for the mind, body, and soul. And what I'm pumped to share about this this conversation is her unique ability to just really reframe uh, her relationship with habits and practices that just really provide such a completely different outcome just by a simple perspective shift. So enjoy this conversation. So Nikki, who are you? Well, you're jumping straight into it. Um, I am picking things off. I love love it. (laughs) I am. My career is that I am a health and wellness expert. I'm an author. Um, I teach people. I transform people. So that's who I am from a more we'll say achievement-based thing, but who am I? I'm someone who cares deeply about humanity, about helping other people. And I've really dedicated my life to, to using everything that I can in my own life to make others better in whatever way that means. So whether it's happiness, business, health. So that's who I am. I love it. And thank you for both both descriptions. And, and that's actually why I ask that question at the beginning is to to avoid only getting the, you know, kind of what I do, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is nice, nice to know. And, and behind that, you know, what defines you, I, I can't help even just literally in just those couple lines that you provided, there's, there, I can already feel like that is it goes, it goes deep, or it's there's passion behind that. So like, where, where's all that coming from? Yeah, there is a lot of passion and it it comes from for so many years of my life defining who I was as a person by what my career was and realizing that that's at the end of the day not who you are because your career changes, your desires change and when I left one of my careers and I started the new one which is my the health career that I have I started understanding that there's so much more to then who we are as what we relate to ourselves to be in terms of, you know, how much money we make and where we live and what car we drive. And so the passion really came from being rock bottom and picking myself back up and then getting to this new place and understanding of really, and and I think I'm still on the quest every day, but understanding course. Who am I? Who, who are you? What are we here to do? And how can we 
go about achieving that in the best way possible with the most minimal negative effects on the world and each other. And so my passion really has just come from feeling all the feels <laughs> throughout my <Yeah>. life. And, <laughs> and I, my true happiness comes from when I help other people. And so that's, yeah, that's Beautiful. where it comes from. Beautiful. I love that line. I, re- I remember reading that on, on one of your Instagram posts, feeling the feels. It's, yeah. uh, it gets catchy, but it's so- All the feels. And it's, I like it because it's not, we tend to associate with our emotions too much. We say yeah. the, most, the most powerful two words in the human language is I am. And whatever you say after I am defines who you are, what you are, and what you believe to be true about yourself. So if you say I am- stressed out, well, then of course you are. You just said you are. Or if you say, mm-hmm. I am happy, then yes, you are happy. So I like to say feeling all the feels instead of associating with just one emotion. Like I am stressed out. I am having a bad day. It's like, no, you're just feeling the feels and good and bad comes with it. Totally. Look who's going deep now. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why don't we talk a little bit just to set some context for everyone listening and, and we'll, we'll get back into uh, where you are now, but why don't you just provide a little bit of a backstory on, on your journey and where you came from? Sure. So I started modeling when I was about 16 and I didn't do it full-time internationally until about 20. I'd graduated from university and you know, I had a pretty normal childhood growing up. And I go into this because it it leads, I won't go into too much detail, but it leads me to why I got into the health industry. But growing up, I did have quite a few health issues. I didn't think very much of them. I thought it was very normal to, you know, be hospitalized at like seven years old and 13 year olds with, with 13 years old with stomach problems. And I was on mm-hmm. acupuncture three times. And at 19 years old, I I had chronic insomnia for the next six years of my life. And so I got all of those I thought were just relatively normal. I started taking Ambien at 19 years old. And I by the time I was 21, I'd taken three doses of Accutane for skin problems, all of that. And this was all while I was going through through school. And then I started modeling and modeling brought about all of these issues that at 19, I was not able to understand how to deal with them. And so I fell into a pretty bad downward spiral of a few eating disorders. And I did that for a few years, the modeling, and it was, it was a good career. It was nice and fun and, you know, very rewarding to see your photo on billboards and whatnot. Sure. And the eating disorders got worse because my value was so highly tied into the modeling. So basically long story long is that I was a model. And then I ended up starting to learn about health because I realized for, I mean, basically for my own life, I needed to change something. And so I started eating real foods, cooking my meals, exercising every day because I loved myself, not because I hated myself. And I give all of the context and background instead of just saying, oh, I was a model and then I became an author because it's, I, I feel yeah. that that's quite a boring story. You can read that on my website and on my Instagram. But what people don't realize is that it's, you know, from the modeling and having these issues and not being equipped to deal with them. And my family was in another country and I was very lonely 
learning about health was the first time that I started feeling like I had a community. And I started an Instagram account. I ended up writing a plan called the five day detox. And this was like five years ago before anyone else had done it. And it sold crazy amounts of copies on like from Instagram. And so my name just started getting more and more popular in the health world where I never meant for it to. I was just trying sure. to help myself. And I realized that I really loved helping other people and I had a niche for it. And so I kept going with it. And then I turned the the detox into an app, which I released a few years ago and that did incredibly well. And then it, the right... Yeah, number one. That's, yeah, let's no, not be so one. modest. Yeah, one, I, it's I, amazing. Yeah. If we're going there, I'll, I'll throw out a little little thing of it went number one in six countries, including the UK, US, and Canada, which was amazing in 24 hours with no paid marketing. So yeah. awesome. I really started learning how to curate and nourish a community and especially one based in health on something that I was very passionate about. And then I wrote two books and Random House bought the rights to the five-day detox. And then I just recently came out with my other book meal prep your way to weight loss. And throughout that, I'm, you know, if you ask me, who are you in terms of your career? I'm a a best-selling author, number one app creator. I'm a speaker, a motivational speaker. I teach yoga. I do cooking workshops. And all of that came because I was just trying to heal myself from my own demons and the own, you know, the issues that I had in my life. So long story long, that's my background. <laughs> no, thank you for the detail. And I do want to go into that be, before we get into, because I know you're just off a pretty big uh, book launch. So I definitely mm-hmm. want to chat about that. But you mentioned one part that really stuck out to me when you started, you said, you know, you started exercising and I'll paraphrase, uh, paraphrase for the love of, of exercising versus, you know, kind of, of, of hating yourself or, 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 you know, along those lines, like what, what what shifted in your life? Like, how did you get to that kind of reflective moment where things turned? Oh my gosh, a lot of struggle, years of struggling. <laughs> um, okay. I think that it's, you know, we've been so ingrained with, and this was, mind you, quite a few years ago. It's even worse today where it's been ingrained, you know, go do a thousand sit-ups. Shape Magazine would tell you to do that. And go get get skinny because the guy will like you more and all these different things. And so we're constantly told we're not good enough. And then you have the modeling industry, which is making you be a specific portion size on, you know, your hips, waist, breast area, all of that, legs, hips. Like I, I was being measured when I was living in, in Bangkok I was measuring every part of my body, including my neck, all parts of my arms. Like it was, it's just like inhumane in a sense. And so what happens is you start, because you're not supposed to naturally be the shape of a 14 year old girl when you're 23 (laughs) years old, you, you have to diet. And yes, it's worse in the modeling industry, but in the mass media, it's, they are perpetuating these thoughts that you are not good enough. And still today it's happening where you are not good enough unless you eat this food or you're not good enough unless you have enough influencers or you're not good enough for whatever. And so I was in this constant battle with myself of not feeling good enough because 
I was either too skinny for one agency, not skinny enough for the next, not getting the jobs that I thought I would book. And there was no value of my life outside of that. And so you start turning to food and you restrict the food you eat. And then you inevitably binge on something, even if it's healthy, you eat. And I don't even want to say binge, you eat, you eat food. And because your mind is so warped, you, you think, okay, well, I, I need to go exercise this off. And there's so many people now that hate exercising and they look at it either as a punishment for the food that they ate, or they look at it as I have to do this because I'm not good enough if I don't, you know, go for the run today. But having those thoughts will never get you to continue to run because there's no enjoyment of it. So I yeah. I was going through a to directly answer the question, because I went on a little bit of a, a side tangent there. Really fun fact, I love tangents. So I'll, if if I'm going off track, <laughs> please kind of rein me back oh, in. I love them too. It's for, that's, where the, that's where all the juice yeah, that is. That is all where the juice is. But I started realizing basically that I was not treating myself with respect. And I I chose to start rewarding myself going to the gym if I ate healthy that day. And if I binged, I wasn't allowed to go to the gym. And for me, I grew up working out. Like my my family is a very active family. My mother went to the Olympics for cycling. My dad was a rock climber. My stepfather was a bodybuilder. So it's it's kind of ingrained in me. But that doesn't mean that I've always loved it because I I never found what I loved in exercise. I did it because I was told I needed to. So I just, I chose to change my mentality and see what happened because everything I had been doing wasn't working. And you, I think most people who start to experience health change their mentality of something because they see that whatever it was they were doing was not working. So why not try something new? And, and I did something radically different and it was saying, if I do not binge today or I do not eat anything, you know, unhealthy, I'm going to feel good. And therefore, I'm going to go to the gym and go do a yoga class so that I was taking away the the negative reward or you know punishment for doing something, quote unquote, bad. And so by doing that, I actually reframed my mind. And we know that the mind is the most powerful thing. It's more powerful than what we eat or what exercise we do. And I was able to reshift and re- reframe how I looked at food, exercise in my body so that even today, now, if I eat too much food and I have just a, a day where I go way overboard, I do not go to the gym the next day. I only do it if I feel really good about going. So interesting and so uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. It's so yes. powerful and yet nobody does it because it's it's such a foreign concept where it's like, why would I why would I enjoy exercise? It's like, well, why are you punishing yourself to go do something you hate doing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm personally going to use that one. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, it seems so obvious it's, too, but so it's obvious, <laughs> as well is you have to find something you enjoy doing. If you hate yeah. going to the gym, this isn't going to work. I personally love lifting weights. So this worked for me and I love yoga, but if you're doing something you hate, you will never see the results you want versus if you find something that you enjoy doing, you will of course see the results because it's no longer a struggle to do it. And that is why so many people 
do not see the results they want because they're going and doing burpees and, you know, sprinting uphill, which lasts a week. And then they say, okay, I'm sorry, F this. Yeah. If your problem is I can't lose weight, it's because you're not looking for the right solution. And the right solution is you have to make it enjoyable. Love so much about that. Nikki. Thank <laughs> you. Um, that's so good. I mean, it just reminds me, <clears throat> excuse me, of just because there's so many things that you can apply that to. It's just really forming healthy relationships with X, right? Like there's a lot of talk about, and, and I get it a lot as well, just given we're, we're trying to help people, um, you know, calm their mind and, and dial in their mind, but yet we're using the very technology that's, you know, part of the the, the problem right. essentially. But it, you know, to me, the answer is always, well, it's, it, it's not the technology, it's the relationship we exactly. have with the technology. Exactly. Right. And, it just seems there's such a parallel to what you were just saying. It's, it's our relationship to the gym and exercise or, or, and ourselves, obviously. So, oh yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's some real powerful stuff. <laughs> I mean, and I, I want to definitely go into that as well at some point of just technology because it, there's, there's all these amazing statistics and everything that we are we are becoming more stressed out and, and more anxious. Millennials are the, the most stressed out generation to date, and they are actually going to have more health problems when they hit their parents' age than any other generation before. And it's there's another statistic that I read from the CDC that said 40% of people are more stressed out today than they were a year ago. And on mm. top of all of this, the fitness industry in 2018 is projected to make $87 billion. So when we're getting more obese, more stressed out, more anxious, the suicide rate in 10 years jumped up 26%. We know that something's not working. And I think that's that's why we're having conversations like this, you and I today, and what you're doing is because we can't say anymore that it's it's just the food that we're eating or don't eat sugar or, you know, go paleo, go keto and go to the gym for an hour. It's, it's not working. The status quo is not working. Yeah. And so when the statistics are becoming so alarming at that rate, we have to change something. And what do we change? We have to change the mind first and foremost. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I saw some recent stats as well out of, out of Canada. I think it's, they said half, half of all Canadians have, uh, experience some sort of mental health event. And of the, of that group, over 60% of them are, are millennials. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it, it's really alarming. And, and I've, I've chatted with someone else about this on the podcast at one point, and, you know, they made a really interesting point about just sleep, right? Cause sleep at one point, and I know that's something that, that you're, you're, you, you talk about as well, but it's, you know, we sleep is no longer enough. Like back at one, at one point, you know, you'd go to sleep and, and I don't know when in time, but that was, you know, enough to recharge your mind, body, spirit, all of that. And now, even if you are getting the recommended amount of sleep, it's just not enough, right? There's just too many, like we're just getting hit with, I mean, you name it in terms of content. And then like you mentioned, just the diet and all the stimulus around us. It's just, so there has to be obviously change. There has to be other things that we do in our life to, to, to create space, I guess, right. Just to heal and, and 
and slow down a little bit. Well, and it's the thing with sleep is we're people may be getting eight hours of sleep, even though most people are not, but they're not getting quality sleep. So their body, we know that sleep is the thing that restores everything from our our muscular tissue to our our brain. That's why we have dreams is that it's processing what is going on. It repairs our skin, cellular repair. So people are not, you know, that there's a, a, Great. I'll see if I can find it while we're doing the podcast interview. Um, a, a meme of saying, you know, where the body's like, I'm tired. And and then, you know, you're kind of talking to your mind and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll go get coffee. And the body's like, no, I just need sleep. And you're like, okay, well, let's go for a run. And the body's like, no, I, I just need sleep. And then <laughs> you're like, oh God, I wonder what could be wrong. And it's that sort of thing where we're, instead of going back to basics that as a kid, as a baby, when a baby is hungry yeah. or tired, it cries because it needs to be either fed or go to sleep. As adults, when we get hungry or tired, what do we do? We either binge because we've been restricting or we overeat something bad because we haven't we forgot to eat lunch and so our blood sugar is so low that the first thing that we crave is a carbohydrate because of the sugar and how easily digested it is. When we are tired, Instead of sleeping, we stay up working because of a deadline. And then we wonder why we need six cups of coffee. And it's it's almost this unheard of thing where you're like, wait, so you have a disease now because what? Because you didn't sleep. And it's almost any sort of sickness has nothing to do really with the sickness itself. It's because we have been mistreating the, the body. And with sleep, as we know, is the number one thing to repair our bodies People are on their phones until the moment they go to sleep. They check their phones for the clock. And we know that the, the melatonin in our brain is starts being produced the moment we see the light on the phone. And so it, it messes with melatonin production. And we're checking our phone the first thing in the morning. We're you know getting on Instagram. There's an alarming statistic, as, or not statistic, but we check Instagram. The average person checks Instagram 150 times a day opens up the app 150 times. So you wonder how, you know, how you're not getting enough sleep and why you don't feel good. And it's like, well, when was like, when did you put your phone down at night? When did you pick your phone up? And there's so many different things where the sleep we're getting is not quality anymore. And that's, that's the first and foremost thing that we, we don't listen to our bodies. And then we wonder why we're getting sick and depressed and anxious. So yeah, no, totally. And I'm I'm hoping, you know, with some of Apple's latest rollouts on just, you know, their, their, their screen time uh-huh. tracking and all of that, it's, I mean, it, it's a right step in, in the right direction. It's definitely, <laughs> definitely need a lot more, but even just, even myself, just looking at that and it's only been out for like a couple of weeks, I think like, holy smokes, like just picking up your phone and seeing by the, by the hour. Uh-huh. Right. And I'm someone that's actually fairly conscious of, you know, really disconnecting and trying to get into flow states and, and whatnot, because I'm surrounded by it all the time. And I'm still alarmed. Right. So I'm hoping that will uh, help because I think even everything that you mentioned, it's it's like when when we're talking about it, to me, it's like, well, obviously, but yet when you go off into the regular world and you're you're back into kind of autopilot that's when it all starts slipping so it's how do you get 
how do you get yourself to a point where you can see the uh-huh. triggers? Absolutely. So right? I just, I found this meme and I wanted to share it because it's, it's, exactly to the point of where we are as, as a society. So it's you talking to your body. So you go, why do I feel so terrible? And the body goes, coffee is not a meal. And then the body goes, eat a vegetable body sleep. You, I guess we'll never know. Body goes, Oh my God. And so that, you know, that is the basis of it's so easy and we know what to do. We know that we need to find things that bring us happiness and joy. We know that we need to sleep. We know we need to eat more plants and vegetables. And yet we do all of the things that we shouldn't do. And then we wonder why there's issues. (laughs) Fair, fair. So why don't we talk a little bit about um, your recent trip out of the U.S. And the reason I want to talk about that is, A, I'm curious to see how the trip went. And and I think the the listeners will be interested in, you know, some of the reasons why you went. Mm -hmm. But, But second is just, you know, we actually were originally trying to schedule this podcast while you were out there. And I'm almost happy it didn't work out. And it was, it's just like a, right. It's like a, a classic, uh, we talked about technology, but like the tech wasn't really, you didn't really know what was going on with Wi-Fi, where you were and stuff. And I just felt like it, it was just adding, you know, stress to, uh, to something that you were trying to de-stress right. from right <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually really happy we're doing it now and things are hopefully a little bit calmer but yeah so why why the trip out to europe so a lot of people don't know let's say who's who are listening that i i went to paris for the whole summer and from paris i i traveled quite a bit but my over the past year and a half i've started having i don't want to say visions but more so it my intuition has been telling me to that I, I I need to spend more time in Bali, in Paris, and less time in LA. And so it's not to say, you know, I'm not going to live in LA anymore, but I LA ironically has become a very toxic place for me. And I didn't realize that. So the very I'll make the the story short in that I went to Kenya last November to volunteer. And it was amazing, incredible. They have very little and they're one of the happiest, you know, communities that I'd seen. And then I got back to LA during Christmas time where we have everything and everyone was miserable and depressed and like going to Christmas parties that they didn't want to be at. And I just, I had a a pretty intense breakdown where I actually sat on my floor crying for two hours being like, why am I so depressed and unhappy? And my inner guide said, you need to go to Paris. And I've learned to trust my inner guide. And so I thought, okay, that's crazy, but all right. I looked at tickets, they were too expensive. And the next day after I had really like resolutely decided to go, of course, I find a cheap ticket. I go to Paris. I love it. And then I came back for my book launch and I realized that during this time of my book launch, I don't want to say my focus wasn't fully on the book launch, but my focus was definitely on doing it so that I could get out to Paris. And I couldn't explain why. It's just that was everything that was going on. And so I did. I went there on May 29th. I I left. I sold all of my stuff. I let go of my apartment. I don't have a car. And anything that I wanted to keep, I put into a very, very small storage unit. So I got rid of nearly everything 
very minimalism, which felt great. And I went out there with no plan whatsoever, which is terrifying, obviously. But I knew that every, since I had been following that kind of inner guide, I knew things would work out. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but it means that if you, if you follow your inner guide and you don't like allow yourself to step into the fear too much, things will, will flow as they're meant to. And this was really the first time for me trusting myself on such a high level. So that's the, the kind of story of why I went there and while I was there, it took about truly, it took about two months to fully de-stress from America. And it sounds so strange, but I realized that even though LA is kind of the health capital of the world and it's sunshine and beach vibes and all of that, it's a very stressful place. And there's a lot of competition and especially with technology, social media. And I just wasn't feeling good here anymore. And a lot of people will tell you that it's actually a quite toxic place. So it took me about two months to fully kind of decompress. And that's, you know, when we would email back and forth, I was like, I don't know where I'm going to be next week. I might be in Spain. I might be here. I might be in France. So I, I traveled a lot. I learned about the culture. And I also had some really incredible things happen in terms of both my mind and my body was that Mm. even though I was starting to eat all the quote unquote bad things that in America we demonize. So we demonize pasta and bread and gluten and sugar and wine and cheese. I ate all of those nearly on a daily basis. And I got more comments on Instagram than I think I've ever received throughout the summer of people saying, you're glowing, you look amazing, your energy is very good. And it's because one, the food quality is better out there and they have a lot more regulations on what actually can be passed as food. Whereas in America, we eat a lot of food substitutes and food-like products that are not real food. Yeah. But the other thing that I noticed as well is just, they work in order to live. Whereas in America and the West, we live to work. And it was a huge shift. And I had never seen people, you know, on a Monday afternoon, Monday morning, just sitting in a park without their phone, reading a book. And it shocked me. And it was like, no matter where you went, it, it was this continuous thing where people just lay out in the park you would go to dinner with someone, they would never bring out their phone. It's unheard of to do that. It's rude. Why would you do that when you're sitting with someone? And so I started to see what I call it real life, what real life really is, where you have these deep connections, you feel valuable to those around you because they're giving you their time. And time we know is is the most important thing because we only have a chance to give our time once to someone in that time period. So it's, it was just a fascinating, almost psychological and health experiment for myself because I ate all the things and my skin cleared up. I ended up losing weight naturally without even trying. I exercised less. I was a thousand times happier. I got on my bike and I I rode places instead of taking a car or I walked I had deeper connections with friends because we were able to connect on different levels. And I was not on my phone as much where I started to see how how much we have to be on our phones in the West for 
you know, this, that, the other. And now that I'm back in LA for a little bit, I came back for work. You know, I sit in, in an Uber going somewhere and I just scroll. I'm checking the news. I'm doing this. Whereas in, in Paris, I, I would never take my phone out. It's just the only time I would really take it out is if I needed to message someone that moment or I was taking a photo. And otherwise, I would put it away for the most part. So it was a just yeah very interesting thing. And I'm sure other people have different experiences. But I do know that most people that I speak with say, you know, I went to Europe, I ate all of the bad things, quote unquote, and I ended up losing weight and feeling better. Why is that? Hmm. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. How, like, what do you think the issue is in the sense like you're back and I can relate to that too. Even myself, I've been starting to take the streetcar a little bit more uh, for meetings and whatnot and, and not cramming in a podcast or like mm-hmm. you said, scrolling and all of that. Right. But do you think it's just because we do it almost out of boredom or it's like you have to fill that gap. Right. Um, of time. So in Europe, is it just that, you know, you're surrounded with people that are not doing that? So you feel weird doing it yourself or like, what is it then? Right. Cause then you come right back here, right. And you're in the Uber and it's like, you're scrolling. I think it's, I mean, I'm sure it's more, but two things are really jumping out at me and it's, yeah, that people don't do it. So we, we know that human nature, we emulate what others do. And yeah. That's why, you know, kids growing up, if their parents were smokers, they become smokers. If you're you're hanging out with friends and they're on their phone all the time at lunch, you end up doing it as well. So in Europe, they just they don't do it. They haven't done it. Social media, yes, has caught on, but people are still very real in in what they do and, and their interaction. So I think that's one. And I think the other big part of it is that. In the West, and you know, when I say West, I'm Canada, America. We really, we really don't allow ourselves to be silent, to be lonely, to just sit and and be with ourselves. It's this constant need to. I need to do something. If I'm sitting at home, let me swipe Tinder. If I'm, you know, in the car, <laughs> let me check Facebook. And there's we're never giving ourselves a moment to be bored and through boredom actually comes creativity. And so we're killing the creative process as well as we're killing the chance to really connect with those around us. And we're also devaluing other people's time because, you know, think about when you're with someone, if they constantly are checking their phone while you're in a conversation, they are automatically prioritizing their phone and whoever they're talking to over you. So it doesn't allow you to have this deeper connection. So I think that's something pretty heavily that we're, we're struggling with here. Yeah. Well, it's presence, right? Right. I mean, just putting full presence, whether that's the person in front of you or to your point with, with yourself as well. Right. Which, which the nice thing is, least these type of conversations are are popping up. I mean, you and I are probably seeing more of them just given we're we're surrounded by this, but it's it, it's at least starting to starting to shift. I mean, there's a bit of hope with that. Um, but we have yeah, we have a lot a lot of work to do there. We do. And while the the conscience consciousness of 
of the planet is rising, the unconsciousness is also getting worse. So I'm very curious to see where the two are going to finally intersect because we are do you did you see the movie Wally ever? No. Oh gosh, you should you should definitely okay. watch it. So it's it's based in the future. It's from Pixar and people people are on another planet and they never they never walk, they never do anything. They're they're constantly in these chairs that drive them everywhere and you know they can kind of exercise in their chairs. And we're very much getting to that state where we we drive to the gym, we get on the treadmill where we either walk or jog while looking at our phone. And then we wonder, you know, why our health is bad. And it's because we're never fully present in anything that we're doing. And so while the consciousness of people like you and I and the listeners and people using your app and people who buy my book, and it is getting larger, but it's at a very, very small rate of growth. Whereas the level of unconsciousness is on an exponential level right now. So we're kind of in this like dueling good versus evil, who's going to win? And, and, you know, are we going to kill the planet before we become conscious? Yeah, totally. For sure. <laughs> Hopefully not. For sure. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit about that, that duel, because something I really, you know, it, we've talked about technology and, and how that's contributing to some of, um, some of the, the issues that we've been discussing. And then there's social media, which is another huge component to that but at the same time it's like that's you know that's where the attention is and this is why i really love i mean for anyone listening i'll link to all of this but you'll see like you have a what 300 plus 300 plus people following you right which falls into you know the scrolling but you are you do you do such an incredible job on being vulnerable in your in your posts and i think helping people just stop for a second and actually read the comment mm-hmm. and pull something out of it for themselves so so it's not like shame on you social media right uh, it's let's work together and just like us like the tech is not going anywhere so let's work with the tech and take the benefits of it and and try to reframe those relationships so I want to ask, my question is, how has it been for you almost using Instagram as a public personal journal, essentially? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way of putting it. I love that. It It's had its pros and cons, and I'll share both. When I started my account, it was, you know, when I was going through modeling and I had my eating disorders and I... I started it as a place to keep myself accountable. So I posted my food. I posted things that motivated me to go work out, you know, girls' bodies who were really fit that I looked up to, motivational quotes, and nobody was doing it at the time. So I was one of the very first people doing an account like this. Now we see there's millions of them. Yeah. And from doing that, I was also sharing headless body pictures of myself. So I never posted my face because I didn't want people to know that I was a model. And my name was not huge, but if you Googled me, stuff would come up. I didn't want people knowing that I was a model basically complaining about how skinny she is because it it wasn't about that. It was about the, the mental side of trying to overcome a demon that I had. And I found that from doing that, 
and not posting my my head that people were so engaging and sweet and concerned and my community formed immediately because I was also able to be a lot more vulnerable and say, you know, today I binged, I don't feel good. I know I'm skinny, but I I feel really fat. And if anyone else is out there who's following me, like I'm here for you as well. And people started messaging me with, with questions and and I basically started health coaching people before I even knew what that was. And it was, it was very surprising to me, like something I'd never thought would happen. So as the account grew, I think up till 100,000 followers, I was super engaging. I would write back to every comment. People would ask me questions. And it was a shift happens that when your account starts to get big, people start to look at you as an untouchable. And... People stopped engaging with me as much and they they were too scared to ask questions because they didn't know if I was going to answer or not. And they it, the other interesting aspect is if something bad happened and someone would say, oh, you're too skinny, go eat a cheeseburger, all of my community would kind of answer back and be like, no, she eats really healthy, you know, all of this. Yeah. And so they kind of almost take you out of the equation where it's your account, you've created the, the community, but you're no longer the main center, let's say, of the community. And now yeah. we're at a place where when I'm super vulnerable on my Instagram, I get a lot of comments, a lot of people come to me and you know they, they're very grateful for that. But on a day-to-day basis, what I'm finding is that too many people have seen that vulnerability works. So, you know, every other female health wellness account is being super vulnerable. I had a bad day, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the other girls that are the body positive, you know, sharing photos that they're super overweight. And like, I still love my body. And it's people saw what works. And so everyone is emulating and copying it. And it's actually taking the authenticity out of it because you know, people now are seeing, oh, I, I can have a platform and be famous. My goal was never to be famous from Instagram. My goal was never to write books. It, it all was a byproduct of sharing my journey. And now I've seen that people are so concerned about becoming influencers and doing all the right things that the people that follow are now following so many accounts. They don't see your post. They just scroll. Nobody wants to read a long caption. And so it's been a catch 22 where yes, you can create a community and yes, you can influence and change health. Like we're eating avocado toast and avocados became super popular because of Instagram, you know, and at the same time, (laughs) the, the downside of it is that people, even though we're more connected, people are feeling more disconnected. And so while we have communities People are not learning how to have friends in real life. And it's just, it's this catch 22 where it's great. And I'm, I try to be on as much as possible and share my life. But even for me, I really am getting to this place of there's so much inauthenticity, even though people are sharing the, you know, the, the dirty side of their life and what's not good, that it's so curated of what they're sharing. They're, the photos they post, the yeah. captions, everything is so curated. It's a new means of advertisement that it's it, it no longer and never will be the community aspect that it was. You've got me thinking, that's for sure. It's, uh, I mean, it's all very, 
Very true. It's, uh, and I guess there's no, there's no answer yet, uh, on that. Like, what do you do? Right. I mean, yeah. something I've been struggling with or not struggling with, but that I've been talking about is just because we, we obviously have a lot of people in the app and a lot of those relationships started online. Uh, but I keep talking about like, I think what has to happen is it has to go online to offline. Correct. Right. Which is kind of, I mean, even though we're, we're online, but we're actually having a human conversation here via voice. And, and I, I would imagine if you're ever in Toronto from your way, we would probably meet up. (laughs) Right. And thank you. So, you know, that's that online to offline, but the majority of the time that that's, that's not the case. And it's just a scalability thing, which it's not healthy. Right. right? It's, It's not healthy. And one of the big things from technology that we've seen from, you know, social media and having different apps. And, and I have my own podcast as well. It's that we get to share knowledge. We get to bring people together. But at the end of the day, it is a means to an end of making money because nobody's going to sit there and spend, you know, 40 hours of their week on social media, trying to build something thinking like you and I both did this with our apps. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, it's not about the money, but you're spending a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of time that you sure. of course hope that there is some return that people find value in it, that it does pay out in some way. And there's no necessarily mm-hmm. like, you know, million dollars or $1,000 benchmark. It's just saying, I hope that there's, you know, people see the value. So we know that Facebook now, the only way to get your your post seen is to pay. We know that on Instagram, the, to guarantee people seeing is you have to pay. And so it's everything within the techno, technological world is becoming based on money, which automatically takes out the human interaction. And the fact that it doesn't matter about the money, you'll make the money if you create the community and I do believe and I agree with you in that we're going so technologically based that the next shift that we need to do and the human consciousness level shift is saying, okay, we did that. It didn't really work. We're more depressed. We're more stressed out. What do we need? Well, we need to actually meet up face to face. We need to learn how to engage with those around us and go on dates, not just from Tinder, but, you know, meet people in the park like we used to. Yeah. Well, and it's like the, the podcasts are, are perfect examples of that, right? Like ideally, you know, someone listening uh, to Keo conversations in this, this chat, I mean, someone in Australia, maybe that we would never mm-hmm. see, hopefully it, you know, helps them kind of pull out of whatever situation they're in, think, and maybe that stimulates, you know, oh, I'm going to go join um, I don't, this, this yoga class, or I'm going to go on a retreat, or I'm going to call that friend, like whatever. Right. But again, it's, it, it's online to, to offline. Like I think it, there has to be some sort of transition there, but at the same time, we're able to reach people, yes. um, that, that need that, whatever it is. I mean, it's been helpful in my life. Um, hands down. It's just, again, I guess it's just the relationships we have to, all of these different options we we have today and following that intuition i love i love that that that's kind of the theme of of the conversation yeah. is just following that path and 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 being able to hear mm-hmm. what what's being you know thrown your ways is is where all these practices i feel like 
really help. And, and I want to respect your time. So I definitely want to start wrapping up a little bit and, and getting into specifically what you do on a frequent basis to, you know, stay at the top of your game. And I, when I mean stay at the top of your game, I mean like keeping you happy and feeling good personally and professionally when you're traveling all the time, like what are the non-negotiables that, that have to be there for you? Um, I, I'll answer, I'm going to say one thing and then I'll directly answer this because it kind of relates back sure. to what you were saying of, of, you know, bringing community around and someone going to a retreat or, or whatnot. One thing that I do nearly every single day is, and this also answers the question is I check in with at least one person in my life. So whether it's a text, a phone call, an email, I will say, how is your day going? Or if I know that they have, you know, presentation or something big, I'll just send a little message saying, good luck today, you know, sending me love. And I do that with, with at least one person every single day, because you start to realize that all of the you know shit in your head and the problems that you think you have are actually nothing in comparison to everyone else is going through something at the exact same time. And a lot of times it's very similar to what you're going through. So it automatically pulls you out of, I am the problem. I have the problem. The problem yeah. is, you know, whatever I'm going through into, okay, well, I might still be, you know, anxious or depressed or hate my job or whatever today, but let me just check in and see how my friend is doing. And you start to realize that, I mean, during my book launch, this was a great example. It was really stressful. And anyone who has done any sort of launch, which you know, it is a lot of work when you're trying to put your best effort forward. And I got very stressed out and I wasn't sleeping very much. And I just thought, oh my God, this is too much for me to handle. And I even had a team around me. So it's not like I was doing it alone. And I was doing this this practice that I have and checking in with different people. And one of my my best friends in LA, her mother is going through cancer. And another one of my, my girlfriends here, her grandmother was dying. And so automatically it puts your own problems into perspective of I'm not the only one going through something. So how can I show up for love to those around me? Because when you do that, it will automatically take you out of your problems. So powerful. Yes. (laughs) So that's something I do um, frequently, but the non-negotiables for me is really just seeing what makes me happy and checking in, am I doing those? So if I am not feeling, you know, if I'm feeling stressed out or depressed or anxious, I take a look at, and I have it all written down. So I take a look at, at what I have written down of what are the things that make me most happy in life? Or you, you know, it's a practice that I recommend anyone listening to write a list in column one that says, what are all the things that make me happy? And in column two, the same exact thing this year. Did you? Game changer. Okay. So the second column, right, is, and I'm curious to know your answer. The second column is, what are all the things I'm currently doing? And then in column three, Mm -hmm. you decide, like you can look and see, am I doing the things that match up with what's in alignment and makes me happy? If not, then how can I start to do those? Or what do I need to let go of? So what what was your, did you find that you were doing many things that made you happy? Well, really interesting. I mean, so I, 
slightly different, but I love the kind of extended, well, for me, it's an extension to that practice. And I'm, I'm going to try that out. Um, so what I, what I did is I just took, I just answered the question, like what, what are the, what, what's a list of things, you know, let's say 10 to 15 things that no matter what's happening, I know will just make me feel happy on, a, on an energy level, smile, all that stuff. And like, you know, exercise, eating clean, meditation, stretching, all these art, all of these mm-hmm. things. And then I just slapped a goal next to it on, on, on the, like my personal bucket that at all times there has to be at least six out of 10 of these in check. Oh, I love that. And so that, that was kind of the goal. And then, but the other thing that's, that, that happened is again, going as, as you quite, um, elegantly put with launches, you know, when, when we, when I was in these stressful times, it's like, okay, I can just, you know what, I just need to go back to that list and pick one of these things. And to your point, just, it pulls you right out of it, right? Like you can't be, you can't be upset and super stressed doing the things that make you super happy. It just seems almost impossible. Right. And if, right? And if so. they, if it's on your list and you're doing them and it's not making you super happy and you're still in the moment of being stressed, then it's not the correct thing on your list to be, you know, yes, exactly. like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, I, I love running. And if you run and you don't feel good after your run, then that better be taken off your list and you better find something new. And that's, you know, goes into the whole thing of, of losing weight or yeah. trying to get rid of diabetes or get fit, whatever it is. There's, it's just finding. So it, as an extension of what you said and the exercise someone could do is write a list of all the things that make you happy. And it can be, I always say, be specific. So for me, it's, I know when I'm out of alignment, it's because I'm not meditating. I'm not seeing or speaking to friends. I'm not out in nature. I'm not eating clean. I'm not doing my gratitude journal. So just for example, those, so those are on my, like, this makes me happy list or, and doing yoga, right? This makes me happy. And then if I go to the, what am I currently doing? And you look at your day, day-to-day basis from the morning, what did you do from the morning, the moment you woke up, anyone listening, the moment you woke up until right now, what have you done? So you write that list. And then the next list could then be, as you said, of what are the six things that every in any given moment you need to be doing. And so they don't need to be like, I love traveling. That's on my happy list. But I can't obviously travel at every given moment. I need to be grounded. And so it's just, it's finding the, that's a non-negotiable for me. Let's say it's just finding what makes me happy and sticking to it. Another non-negotiable is not listening to my inner guide. And that is, I've, I've had too many experiences where I haven't, I've seen what happened. And so it takes a lot of practice to find what that that inner guide is saying for you. And that's why there's no diet that works for every single person. That's why each person has different exercises that they like. That's why in Ayurveda, they say we have three doshas and basically three body types. So each one should be eating differently. Every single person is unique and beautiful and different. And therefore you should be doing whatever fits into your life at that moment. The other thing, and I have to say this because I'm on like a, (laughs) <laughs> a passionate tangent right now. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. That we also, our bodies go through seasons, the same as 
the earth has seasons, our bodies go through seasonal changes. That is why, you know, people recommend eating seasonally because during winter, we need more energy because it's cold. We like to hibernate. That's why you don't want to go outside so much. So you need to be eating things that are more grounded, rooted, cooked, you know, stews, things like that. Meat, if you eat it during the summer, we eat lighter. And that's like, you know, things with more water content, cucumber, watermelon, salads, things that, you know, give us energy in our light because it's seasonality. People get so Mm. caught up in, I need to stay on this diet of, you know, egg whites and this and that and salad all year long. And then they freak out if they lose, or I mean, if they gain, you know, five pounds over the winter, which is physically meant to happen for every single person because, (laughs) you know, like it's one of these things where people are like, oh my God, I gained weight. I don't know how to get rid of it. And it's like, well, here, let me tell you, we're in hibernation (laughs) stage. So come spring, naturally, your body's going to want to exercise more. Naturally, the foods you eat are going to be lighter. And so you, you don't even have to think about it and you'll lose the weight. And people just get so focused, which stresses the mind out. Obviously, if you're not your perfect weight and all of that, that we were, that's how you find your internal guide is just by understanding and knowing that your body will not be the same in every season than it was last and saying, it's okay. I trust my body. I trust my intuition. I am my own internal guide. And remember those two words, I am. If you say I am fat, well, of course you are because that's what you believe to be true. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you say, I am my own healer and I am going to feel great tomorrow, then of course you will. So that's just another little... I can keep going on that one. I get so passionate about Um, health and how people are just stressing out about the most dumb things when they shouldn't be because like the whole food concept of like, what do I eat? It's like, you know what to eat. You you absolutely know what to eat. Stop making it so complicated for yourself. Eat real food. Stop eating processed shit. Exercise. Do something that you love. Do things that make you happy and sleep and turn your phone off. Like those are the four things. It's not that <laughs> Back to the basics. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally true. And it's just how, I, I guess it's like whatever resonates, right? With, with people. It's like you, you, the thing that I've noticed about this whole journey is whatever we can do to, to, to kick off that reflection or that thinking. And then it just starts snowballing. And to your point, with your, you know, that inner, inner guide or your intuition, it just keeps getting louder and louder as you're doing more of these things. Right. So, you know, I can't thank you enough for sharing so many, um, amazing pieces of of wisdom there that, I mean, uh, most of them have resonated with me. I'm already thinking of some, the gym one is a Mm -hmm. big one. Um, and I, and I love going to the gym and, but I, I love that that shift in the relationship there. That's going to be huge. So there's one other thing too about the the gym and working out. And for people that do enjoy working out, like and I, I why I say use the reward yourself when you've done well. Don't punish yourself for eating bad. Is because you you're reinforcing a negative behavior, right? So once we get past that, once you start to actually enjoy going to the gym or doing yoga, because naturally our body wants to move. We feel good when we move in whatever way that works for you. 
what I start to see is that people get so obsessive about working out that their body is actually going into fight or flight mode. That's why working out less and doing things like yin yoga, where it's relaxation instead of this crazy vinyasa flow and sweating and soul cycle and going to Barry's boot camp and CrossFit and all, you know, it's, <laughs> it's putting so much stress on our adrenals. And people are wondering, you know, why they can't sleep. Well, you have adrenal fatigue and you have adrenal fatigue because from the moment you wake up, the most powerful part of your day is the first hour. And if you're checking your phone and responding to emails, looking at Instagram, you know, doing stories, checking notifications, it automatically is putting your body into a fight or flight mode in the first hour of your day. When our body is in fight or flight mode, we are unable to digest food, we crave sugar, we need comfort. And so all of these things start to work against us that of course, we're not going to be able to calm ourselves down and have a good night of rest because you already screwed it up from the first hour of the day. So I always say with working out, less is more, even though we've been taught the other way, less is more. Get off your phone for the first hour. Do not check it. The only reason you should get on your phone is to put on a meditation or go to the Kayo app, you know, something like that. It's like, those are the only two things that you should be doing and just find what you're grateful for. And I always say, do a gratitude log of five things every day because you start to realize that actually your life is pretty amazing. And when you're getting really stressed out and depressed, it's because you're focusing on all the things that you think are wrong instead of going through and seeing all the things that are actually going right. So it's like those three practices will shift your life dramatically. Oh, totally. And even just on the phone front, because I like I struggled with that as well. And obviously, I've always used uh, technology in some way to help with my practices. And there's there's ways around that, right? Like I have zero notifications mm-hmm. coming up, and the first screen of my phone literally just has mind and body apps. Right. So, you know, as long as I'm not scrolling, which the social, you know, the social icons are three screens deep, for That's example. Amazing. So, you know, just stick on the first screen, you know, these are all positive. Uh, and you nailed it. I mean, I've, there's meditation apps and there's like Aptive for fitness mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and then you can do it, right? Like, but again, it's a relationship with, with that device. Yes. Awesome. Last question for you. What are your three questions that you'd uh, like to leave with the audience? Ooh, my three questions I would like to leave with the audience would be... These are, just to give some context, these are, could be, you know, questions, reflective questions you ask on a frequent basis or during big life-changing events. And these are then loaded in the app with the podcast so that people can add them to their template. Okay. Number one would be, what are you grateful for today? It's the most simple and least asked question. Um, Number two would be, how are those around you doing? So remember, you know, the check-in of it takes you out of your own own state of mind. I love that one. Number three would, yeah, I would say is... The asking yourself, what makes me most happy? And am I doing that each and every day? Amazing. I, <laughs> again, cannot thank you for 
your time, we could probably do a, f- a whole other episode. Oh my God. I could go uh, for like, like eight hours. I get so passionate about it. And that's, you know, that's why I say my career is, is health and wellness and, you know, an author and a speaker, but it, who I am is I am passionate about providing knowledge to people so that they can take back their lives and feel empowered because knowledge is power, but it's not just knowledge. It's actually putting it to use that changes your life. I love it. And I, and I love that there was a sense like, I, you know, in the way you answered that first question, right. There was a, just a couple lines. We weren't even into <laughs> it. And there was, there was the passion was already there and, you know, and it just set up the whole conversation. So, you know, on behalf of obviously myself and, and the team over here and everyone listening, you know, just a, a heartfelt thank you for devoting, you know, your time each and every day to help others and to leverage, you know, the voice that you have on on the various platforms and through all your work to really, you know, raise that that consciousness around the world and and help people in any way you can. So it's um you should give yourself a, a good pat on your back if you're not doing that. Thank you. And thank you for for doing the interview and and allowing me to speak my truth and share with others. And I hope that this, this resonated with people. And I do have to do a a shameless plug that I also have a a podcast that's called hashtag adulting life hacks to get your shit together. And it's, it's a 30 minute podcast released once a week. And yeah, you know, same as you, it's just interviewing people that you find inspiring. And I've, I've been able to learn so much on my own from, you know, Dave Asprey, who's done Bulletproof and Mark Hyman and JJ Virgin and all these people that have, they're in the same field, but they all have different things that they say. And it's like, at the end of the day, we're all coming together and we're just trying to raise the vibration, the consciousness. We're trying to make people feel happier and healthier and whatever you resonate with, that's, don't worry about, you know, what your partner, what your friend what even I say, if it doesn't resonate with you, find someone that you do resonate with or a concept, an idea, a workout. And that's it. That's it. It's just, it's helping people find their way and realize that they're not alone in whatever they're going through. So if you're struggling with something, you're not alone. There are other people that have been through that. And it's just sharing that vulnerability and finding others to connect to in whatever way that you can so that you can feel more, more connected, more valued. And, uh, yeah. No, and thank you for bringing it up. I, I, I had a whole section to talk about the podcast. So I highly, and we'll link to it obviously in the show notes. It, again, it, it follows the theme of this conversation, just being super real with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So thank you. We'll link, um, if we have another chat, which yes, I, I would love to do part two, we should, yeah, we should for sure. We'll start with that and we'll, we'll keep rolling. <laughs> so thank you so much and, and have the absolute best day yet. Thank you so much yourself. 